Hello. Hola, bueno, hola, que tal? I always say that because uh, I worked with somebody. I, I, I worked at Gotcha for a long time. For those the, those old timers who, well, it's old timers. Actually, uh, Gotcha got a reboot. I noticed that somebody rebooted the brand. I worked for Gotcha Sportswear for for a number of years in the 80s, and there was a woman there that always used to, always used to answer the phone by saying, hola, que tal? Hola, que tal? Hola, que peso? <laughs> So I've always done it. What's you going on? Do it. Woo, just struggling with the, the passwords, but I'm in now. Thank you, D, for your support, technical support. Sure. I don't know why I didn't just do it, but, you know, magic. Make a phone call, shit happens. Make a phone call and shit happens. It's all about tech support. It's all, all about, about tech it. support. Speaking of that is, sure. that, is that the subject for today? Tech support? Yeah. Uh, we could talk about, I, I don't know. What, what no. are we going to talk about tech support? <laughs> what, what, what it... No. What did you say we were going to talk about? You texted me something. I was I was hoping we could talk about, yeah, we never talk about Anu. We never tell Anu about this stuff, but Anu is always cool about just, just thinking on his feet like the other two knuckleheads. Um, I am at that stage with this, this album I'm working on where, uh, I'm having to do tasks that I fucking hate to do like vocal comping and cleaning shit up and listening to, and and I'm, I'm at that stage where I have to listen to things like 3000 times over and over and over to, to scrutinize, uh, to, to scrutinize and clean up each individual track. And I fucking hate it. Yeah. To the point that um, when I texted you, I I and I always reach this 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 point where like it gets so soul crushing that I just I I I, I reach that point where I go what why what what am I fucking doing why am I doing this why am I you even doing this why are you doing this D what's why am like, I doing what, it what's the expression this is like the final. You know, the end game, the like final five, ten percent. What do you call that? The the last the last nine yards, you know, would be the last nine analogy, yards. I guess. I think that's what I t- what what I said to you. I said I'm I'm down to that that last nine yards that could either take a month or six months to do. I'm not even in into the worst of it yet. Like I already know I'm not even even close to being into the worst of it. I'm I'm right at the tip of doing all of the mundane left brain shit that I fucking hate to do. Um, I still have vocals to do and I, and I have some things that, that I, I have a whole bunch of things, you know, I've been talking to you, I think both of you guys about that. I, that I want to do with vocals this time that is going to be quite a bit different from the things I did last time. Um, it's going to require me to push me out of my comfort zone and ask for, and try to find some people that can help with, things like backup vocals because it's a, a pretty specific thing I want to do with harmonies that I, I, I can do by myself, but it's just that it's, you know, it's one of those things. Like it's not going to sound the way I want it. I hear it in my head, you know, and, um, and the, and the vocal comping works is if it's, you know, the, the last album I worked on, uh, the, the vocals and the vocal comping work and the harmony work, 
uh, took about as long as everything else did that one piece. But you know, if it took me six months to, to work on everything else by the, it took me like another six months to work on vocals. All the good business people I know just offshore that they just delegated. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I I was going to say. I'm like, why don't, why don't you just pay someone else to do it or, or ask I, one of your friends to do it? <laughs> I, you know, I did that a couple times, but you know, the problem is the problem with vocals. They don't do was, it right. <laughs> they're not going to make decisions yeah. I make. Yeah. You know, that's right. On, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and vocals, especially vocals, like for me is like the most intimate thing. It's the thing that, you know, it, it's not my strong suit. I, 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 I do get pitchy and I, I do have to work on things. I, like even when we did the demo derby, I told like there I'm, I'm hitting a, uh, I'm hitting a pretty, I'm hitting a note at the top of, of that, that walk up in the chorus and I'm flat and I know I'm flat. And I, and, and when I did it, I, I know I want to do it and I know that I can do it, but I'm going to have to fucking work on it. And, and it's going to be some amount of, you know, um, taking eight passes at that, at that eight bars of court, just at that, at that walk up and then picking through each take and trying to find the best take, trying to find the best syllables from the best take. My friend, what you need is a producer. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. I, I definitely do. I, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't, well, for what I it's worth, if you want to send me some of the tracks, I'll, I'll comp a few things for you and do some tuning and really, are you sure? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Okay. But I mean, you guys know it's, it's one of those things. It's like, it's probably the most deeply personal aspect, at least for me, of a recording is, is the voicing and getting the voice right and, and getting the, the voice performance right. And, and um, I, I've, I, I have tried to get other people to do it for me and it's just never worked out. So it's, it always ends up being something and, and I, and that my mind has gone to that place. Believe me. Um, yeah. Be, what I end up doing when, when I comp is, is, is I've, I've, I've got, I, I, I've arranged it for myself so that I can just sit on the couch with a laptop in my lap and some headphones. And I just do it while I watch TV. Um, and I end up doing that for a couple months. It's like a couple months of doing that every chance I get. And it's soul crushing. I fucking hate it. I hate it. Sounds very dramatic, D. But that's how you get what you want, right? And that's how you the, get what you want. Yeah. It's 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 what it's what you have to do. But I I'm at that point, and I thought it was something that we could talk about. That you know is uh, and it's and I think it's something that's probably more unique to self producers. You know, people that that go off like people like us that they go off and do our own shit on our own. Like when I say things like you know, the 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 the, the nihilism stuff was like six months of, of, of instruments and then six months of vocals. It's only six months of vocals because it's, it's just one person doing it. It's, it's just me doing it. If, if I had a producer or I had, had offshore resources, probably go a lot faster. I, I, I will say that, you know, um, um, getting, getting the, the, the talents of, of Mr. Michael Haitley to help with mixing and mastering, um, definitely made it go a lot faster. It would have gone, it probably would have stretched out another two or three months if I tried to break off the mixing myself and it would not have been as good as what Michael did. Mm, thank you. Um, 
I think there's something about that delegation, you know, like I find when I'm working with an engineer or a producer or engineer slash producer, they, you know, you spread out the brain power, you know, really I can be like, I can do something. I'll be like, no, do that one again. And it's just like chop, chop, chop. And then they can, you know, edit stuff as they move along because they have a sense of the whole picture, even if it's your sense of the whole picture that you've imparted to them, you know, and spend a little bit of money for like two or three hours worth of work for somebody, you know, or a friend, you know, just invite a friend, someone who's like gets you and can kind of put it all together and then, uh, and do it in little chunks like that. I, I find that works way, way faster. I'm, and that being said, I'm doing that right now with three, three different projects, but I'm doing it myself. You know, like I'm mixing these three songs that I have. I think I've mostly finished one of them and all the parts were done mostly. And then I get an idea. I'm like, oh, that needs to have a B3 in there. So I add a B3. And that's pretty fun and simple. But when you're like vocals, especially, I totally agree with you, D. For me is, uh, you know, oh, did I, did I get it? Did I capture the spirit of it? And then can I clean a little bit of stuff up? But if it's just like, you know, you're slog, 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 and you're just trying to get that one part and you're just like, okay, I got to set that aside and come back to do something else. It is that thing of like, you know, go to the refrigerator, pull out a, you know, a glass of water and come back to it later or something, you know, where you take your, your eyes off it. Cause I will begin to, my mind will begin to obsess and go, oh, this sucks. Or this is, you know, never does it go like that was fucking amazing. <laughs> no. But it might go, Whoa, oh, that's good never. enough. Good. I settle for good enough because I know Same. my I'm I'm pretty hard on myself, but in these in the stuff that I had recorded on these these three specific tracks, the vocals were all like pretty fucking good. And they were all single takes. And I'm like shocked. And this is old stuff, you know? But I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh yeah, that captures the spirit of it. Is there a little bit of humanity in there? Yeah, it's good. And I just put a little, you know, slap a little sort of effect on it and go like, oh, does that fit in the mix? And I'm like, yeah, it does. And it leaves room for like, oh, there's some other stuff I want to add that's not that. So I find that zoom in. And the same with mastering, too. I have that like zoom in, zoom out. It's pretty natural in the mastering world for me. But when it's like a single part and you're kind of lost in a mix and you're like, oh, shit, you know, like, is the arrangement okay? I can't ask myself questions like I have to like make decisions and then leave those decisions mostly. But my mind doesn't always work like that. It doesn't always behave. You know, it's like having a dog that needs some training. It's like, give it a job, focus on the one thing I need to focus on right now and move on. But, but it is, a, I find it's a struggle. Um, what about you, Anu? You hit some parts like that, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, a challenge of being the kinds of musicians that we are for a lot of musicians in general is um, this struggle between creating some kind of <clears throat> ideal version of the record or song that you think is is perfect in air quotes versus something that is literally a record, like a snapshot, a photograph of yep. who you are and what you sound like at that moment in time. And one of the things that I've come around to thinking is that given the technology that we have, it is very easy to make 
perfect sounding records these days. And that has become a lot less interesting uh, for me as a result. You know, the, the fact that we can do infinite endless recalls on stuff means that we will spend time going back and forth, pushing hi-hats up and down a half a dB or uh, making very small EQ changes to various parts of the mix and then go and listen to it and come back and make very small EQ changes to other parts of the mix or even doing things like having the luxury slash curse of being able to do as many vocal takes as you want and then having to go back through and sift through those things, stitch them all together, tune them and so forth. And where I'm at these days, I think some of it is just getting comfortable with my own limitations, but you know, I will do some cleanup, but I also don't want the record to sound like it's been airbrushed or photoshopped to death. I want it to sound like I made it and that it's got uh, some of my fingerprints and, and imperfections on it. Um, you know, I, I definitely have over the last few years gotten to a place of going, okay, well, there are certain things that either uh, I'm going to farm out or just not do. So if I'm struggling with a mix, I might call up one of my friends like uh, Chris Futerich or someone like that and say, hey, I can't, I'm not getting this to kick over. Will you mix it for me? How much will you charge? And from my perspective, even if he's charging a couple hundred bucks, what's my time worth on the weekend? You know, yeah. and, and I also know that that he's going to do a much better job. Like every time I get a mix back from him, I'm like, oh, this I don't even know why I'm wasting my time. <laughs> um, and, and, and so any, anyway, I, I look at it and I'm like, uh, I think chasing perfection uh, in the sense of everything being immaculate is not what I'm interested in. Getting it in the ballpark of what I want is fine. And I'm also at a place where whether it's the composition of the song or the production and recording of the song, I want to get it done and move on to the next thing. I don't want to spend... Eight See, that's not even that's not even really what I'm going for. In fact, I do the same thing. Like, um, uh, I did a so so uh, a couple things. So, in addition to all the things that you were talking about that you do, there's an, another thing that I do where it's like where I do I will chop and reposition things um, to just to get the performance the way I wanted. Like, if 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 I recorded like I recorded an acoustic guitar part last night. And I have a tendency to to drag a little bit behind the quarter note sometimes when I'm playing. So I will go back through a track and 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 get that. And it's not it's not in the interest of getting it perfect. It's more in the interest of, of getting the feel right for me. Because I'm 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 a drummer at the end of the day. I mean I, I I still think of myself as a drummer first and foremost. And if it doesn't if it doesn't if the if it if it isn't vibing right for me then I'm going to want to f- nudge things around until it feels like it does. And I, so I end up spending a lot of time doing that. The, the yeah. vocal thing for me, it's not in, it's not so much trying to get it perfect as much as it is. Uh, I'm doing this shit by myself and I'm not always sure that, that I'm printing something that, that actually, that's actually going to sound right. Um, uh, back in the day when I, when I worked on the, on, um, unfinished business, I used to have a lot of issues, a lot of like master clock issues. And, um, I had a, had an audio interface that would routinely introduce these little glitches and things snaps uh, that and were pops. snaps and pops, but like not, not even like, sna- like the, the, this thing would do like weird shit, like weird blippy shit in addition to, yeah. to snaps and pops that, weren't fixable. So, um, you know, for me, I, I'm doing multiple passes 
in the more in the interest of just making sure that I printed something that I can actually use. Um, yeah. And then and then the comping is 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 often it, you know I mean the comping's done yes to 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 try to find the best performance but I'm not I'm not going for perfection. I'm just going for something that sounds right to me. And if I had a first verse on one pass that printed well, that sounds good to my ear, but for whatever reason, like, you know, maybe I was turning my head to look at the lyrics or something like that on my, my fucking iPad. Um, and, and I didn't get the second verse right because I wasn't paying, you know, because I wasn't paying attention where my mouth was in proximity to the, to the mic. Then I'm going to look at another pass where I did. And, and that's, that's, Generally, that's a lot of the reason why I do the comping that I do. Um, and yeah, I'm not going for perfection either. Drums, like I always play to a click, but you know, as a drummer, um, I, I don't play enough to, to be like, I'm not Tony Thompson. I, I can't, uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that, that can, um, that, that can play spot on on the one. And I don't, I don't really want to be. Um, so, um, when I'm when I'm comping and cleaning up drum tracks, uh, I, I'll leave shit like it, it. Like there 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 were spots where I was like you know behind the one in front of the one. There's like there's entire drum parts where I'm like just a teeny bit in front of the one, and um, I just I, I hear all those voices in my head. All like people like trying to lock shit to the grid, which is something I used to do when I was much younger. Um, and I never it, it does make things sterile. Um, yeah. I want this to sound human. I, I want this entire album to sound like a human did it. So I am leaving mistakes too. But, All but you want said, it to be a good human doing it. <laughs> right. I want it to be, I want it to be the, the, the best possible human I am doing yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and a lot of times uh, I will listen back to a take and beyond a certain threshold, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to put the mic up and sing it again. Uh, rather than going in and really trying to stitch it all back together, you know, I I, I do that too. I that said, I being a, a singer or whatever, I get fussy about it sometimes, and you know, I wish I could say, oh yeah, you know, I just do a couple takes, and uh, you know, that's that. But there's a lot of like swearing and restarting and rolling it again and again and again uh, over particular sections until I'm like, all right, fine. And the, the funny thing is. Every once in a while, whether I'm doing like voice lessons uh, or something like that online, I'll go back and open up. Like I keep, I version my tracks, right? So I can go back to literally like the first take I did yeah, and I listen back too. to it. And sometimes I'll go back and listen to those and I'm like, you know, this first vocal I did or second vocal I did that I thought was terrible is fine. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. It's yeah, indistinguishable same. from the one yeah. that I was like, that's the one. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, that's the other bad thing about it. It's like you get you start getting obsessive, and you and you just that. And the uh, Michael nailed it. I mean, sometimes the best thing to do is just to fucking walk, step away from it, uh, and then and work on something else. And and I've done I've packed stuff in mothballs, and put it away, you know, for weeks, sometimes months at a time, and it it always ends up, almost always ends up working out that like I go back and listen and go, oh, this is fine. Or, or, or I do what, you, what you're talking about on where I, I go back to an earlier technical. What was I thinking? This is fucking fine. Yeah. But you're, I, when you're down in it, you're not, you, you, you can't, you can't, you can't do it. I can't do it. If I'm down in really? it, I'm just, I get obsessive and I, I just want to fucking get the fucking thing done, Michael. want to get it done. <laughs> want to get a well, fucking I done. I think that's important. You know, this is kind of like a, a note of mindfulness here is like, 
Yes. You've got this obsessive sort of like component to your personality that I have in my person, my own version of it. And I'm sure Anu maybe perhaps has something like that where we got to include it rather than like fight it and go, fuck, this is painful and dramatic. And it's just like, if that helps your performance, great. But if it doesn't help your fucking performance, then it's like, okay, there's going to come a point. I learned this really early on when I was first started recording. There always came a point whether I was recording with other people or myself, where I would get pissed. There would come to a point where it's like, there's a breaking point and I get fucking mad. And I'm like, God, what the fuck is my problem? And then the next performance right after that was like, wow, stellar. I got the energy. Great. I don't want to get mad every fucking time I have to do execute like a part. Like, you know, I'm playing a ukulele. I don't want to get mad with a ukulele. There's no anger energy. Maybe someone's doing that, but you know, like, so I think including the, for me, including, you know, and I, and I alert people too. I'm like, Hey, there's going to come a point where it's not going to be pretty. And it's just me. It's not you just to let you know. And then, you know, and then I do my thing and I'll be like, just give me a minute. And then, uh, I can move through it, but I have to include all that shit in my process. And I think you also do you pointed to a, a number of different things too, but were really great. Like to make sure that your, your systems are working. Like if you got a car that's got a funky carburetor and you're like, I need to drive to San Francisco today and I'm in Los Angeles, you might want to run a fucking car, you know, like find something that's got, you can count on. And I, and I know what that is. Sometimes there's just like a point where you got like this thing that's happening. That's not good. And you have to get this thing done, you know, and it's like, okay, what are the workarounds? So I think, you know, including workarounds too. And like, little room for frustration. I think that's always helped me easier said than done. Cause you know, if I'm in it, like you were describing D where you're like, Oh my God, what is going on? And I'm like wrapped in that little K hole of like this, I got to do this. That's, that's another thing too, to like, just go, okay, this happens for me regularly. So I'm just going to try and see if I can pay attention and go, Oh, it's starting to happen right now. You know, just have a little distance. And then the other thing I was going to say, too, about, um, oh, shoot, it just went out of my brain. Um, so there's, uh, there's you know, the point where you, you reach a breaking point with certain things. And then there's, you know, making sure that your your systems work, but also that your process is like, you. I, I find having an understanding of my process. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I just talked about that. The... Um, you know, like crafting something through production versus performance, you know, where, I mean, this is most of what modern production is, is you hope for an excellent performance on your own. Like, a, like say you got to execute a vocal part. You hope it's going to be amazing, but you can also go, well, here's where my singing level is at. As far as, as far as I can tell, I can craft some of this a little bit later. And I include that in like, okay, it's just a matter of like, can I, should I just cut bait and then like recut it? Like what Anu spoke to, you know, and just be like, I can get a bit fucking, I just got to like, just do it over again. And that usually does it for me. If I get a little bit of energy behind it, like some, some uh, upset or some anger and just try and channel that into like a little bit of emotion in the performance that always helps me too. And I always, and I don't always know it in the moment, you know, I got wrapped up in this mix. Was that last, last night? And I was obsessed. And my girlfriend comes in and she's like, hey, I'm done with my thing. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll be right out. And like an hour and a half later, 
I'm in there and it's, and I'm like, it sounds fucking awesome. And I'm like, bah, bah, bah. my back is killing me, like my lower back. And I'm like, why oh, am yeah. I, why oh, am I yeah. like that on my bed? You know, I'm like, my legs are crossed and I'm in a fucking pretzel and I'm just like, Oh my God. Say I do. I've, I've got a nice chair now. Like I had to experiment with chairs and I've got this chair that, that works really well. But when I record, I do this fucking thing where like I sit on the, or like if I'm mixing, I'll sit on the edge of it oh, and I'll yeah. same thing. I'll be like, like this, like, like just all tensed up. And then, and then if I try to stand, like I can't, I was like, yeah, you're like, oh, how's my mix God. doing? Is this yeah. looking good? You know? Yeah. Shit. Oh Yeah. But it's good to catch that, you know, like I caught it. I, she came in and I like sat up and I went, oh, what is this? My back. And I said, it sounds so good. And I feel so bad. But I was like sitting on a bed, you know, with my laptop. <laughs> and I'm going like the luxury of being able to like sit with a laptop and mix this stuff. I could have been in a coffee shop on the couch in my car. I mixed something in my car once because I was waiting on an appointment and I happened to have my laptop and I'm like, I got a half an hour. I'm just going to hammer some shit out. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's no, you know, two inch reels of tape spinning and I don't have multiple people trying to help me. It's just like, it's kind of incredible, but it also introduces new, new problems, good problems for process. You know, like how do we do this stuff and where do we do it? I have a, a couple producer friends who go to like, once they get most of the tracks sort of in place, and tracked, they go to a coffee shop. This buddy of mine, Jason Lowry, just an amazing producer. And uh, he mixes in coffee shops, you know, he puts on his headphones and he gets the sure. majority of it into place, just like Andrew Sheps, you know, like mixing it's on. One of the airplane. things I really miss about, you know, I, I, I oh, one of the things I'm looking forward to with the shutdown being over is that I used to spend a lot of time in coffee shops. Coffee shops were my happy place for working on lyrics. Yeah. Sitting in a coffee shop all day and just working on lyrics. Yeah, so I get it. I mean, my version of that for mixing is, is sitting. A, well, it's I, I like to mix at my desk, but but like vocal comping, any kind of comping that I know is going to take a long time, I'll sit on the couch. I'll just sit on yeah. the couch and watch YouTube videos in the background. And I'm still experimenting kind of with it. This is kind of new because most of my stuff was sort of fixed on my other computer, and I just I got this new rig this last year, and boy, what a whole new world! It's really great. You know, even better, more modern tools, but. I'm like, headphones are pretty damn good, you know? And like, all I got to do is just hang that dongle off the end of my my uh, laptop and just go. And it's like, wow, this is incredible. It was kind of what I had in my head because I wanted to be able to like go to the desert for a couple of days and like mix or write or do whatever. And so just have a little portable rig. And then, you know, I'm finding I'm using this more than my not portable rig. And it's just really great. But, but you know, back to what you were saying about you know, the, 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 the last nine yards, it's like, I think that's, I find that it's like that last five or 10% for me for most things is like, I, I get like, I'm fucking excellent at like 90%. And then that last like five or 10%, I'm like, uh, I'm starting to negotiate in my head. Yes. And I'm like, ah, yes. Yeah. It's okay. That's what I was saying to you. is like, I'm at that point. I'm at that fucking point now. I, but I, I you like, know, I don't but want to do fucking you, do it. I just want, why, like, why am I doing this? I want to fucking stop. I just do, want to Do stop. you think it's like, because when it's done, all the possibility for it getting better and transformative is closed off? And, and the idea is like, you know, as long as it's unfinished or as long as I still have some degrees of freedom to change some stuff, it can still turn out to be awesome. But, but once I'm like, it's done, you're like, well, it's not getting any better than it is now. 
I'd like me. to think that I'm not that person. I, you know, Michael and I, I, I mean, I, I know, I, I, I know no shortage of, of, of people and have had no shortage of people around me and in my life that do that. And I've had enough of those examples of that archetype yeah. that it's always in the back of my mind, especially at this point at where, and, uh, I always, I always think, oh, well, I don't want to be like that guy that, that, that we knew back in X photo days that, that spent three months on a single track and, and in, in a studio in a fucking studio and yeah. never finish it. And I never heard it. And all, all we'd ever hear him talk about, I don't want to be the guy that that's talking about the one track he's working on that he's been working yeah. on for, for six, for, for six oh, yeah. months. That is the path. I don't want to, I and, never, ever yeah. want to be that guy. So that's always in the back of my mind. And, um, and, and, and it's especially, uh, prevalent. It's always on my mind when, when I get to this point. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. I heard some great stories of, uh, um, Mutt Lang was doing this. He just, he's just notorious for like just perfectionism and it fucking works for him. So I can't fault him, but like that they're going, they're trying to, they're starting to do a mastering session and he's, he's cutting a piano live into the mastering session. And I was like, Roger, Roger Summers told me about that. Do you remember Roger Anu from, uh, yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, he's one of those guys too. He's really just like, you know, I haven't talked to him in fucking decades, but he was that guy who was just like perfectionism and his and his shit sounded great. But it's like there's a uh, you know, diminishing returns at a, a certain point. I I think for me Wasn't he isn't he the one that uh that would spend like 6 months on drums and just make everybody just sit on their thumbs for 6 months while he got the drums right? Yeah. I, I think that like I on think- a Metallica record or something. It's pretty pretty much everything uh, that, that Mutt did um, in the like mid '80s was like that. He he was always someone who had a real meticulous ear. Yeah. Um, but the big records that he worked on were the, that sort of established his reputation for that were like the Def Leppard records, and he did uh, the uh, Heartbeat City for the Cars, and that was one of those ones where he had the drummer. As the story goes, he had the drummer come in for a recording session and hit every drum one time which he recorded into the fair light. <laughs> and then he sent the drummer home and was like, we got it. You know, we'll let you know Fuck when it's done. That. And Fuck basically, that. well, <laughs> as Michael notes, I mean, the, the stuff he's really notorious for it are the, the two big Def Leppard records, uh, photograph and particularly hysteria and spent a lot of time working on those. But a bunch of that time, <clears throat> it wasn't just the recording, it was pre-production. He's a guy that used to sit yeah. down with the bands and be like, okay, we're going through every part of every song and your songs are all shit. <clears throat> so we're going to work on them and rewrite them and fix them and dial them, dial them in. And then we're going to go into the studio and we're going to do take after take. Um, we're going to layer up a ton of things like his back. Those, those gauzy breathy backing vocals are literally like 40 tracks of gang yeah. vocals that have all been smushed together. Jesus Christ. Yeah. When, when you listen to his drum parts, you'll realize that like every snare drum has stereo hand claps mixed in behind it and maybe like a synthesized snare along with gating white noise. Um, you know, and, and uh, he would do things like there might be, it, this was often described as uh, he'd have the guitars play parts one string at a time, which is not entirely true. What he'd do is if there was like an arpeggiated guitar part, um, like that uh, uh, climbing clean part in the bridge of photograph, 
he would have he would get one guitar to double like the root part underneath to make it pop out a bit more because you know sometimes when you're arpeggiating the notes get a little blurry so shame to say i actually do that sometimes too yeah yeah because because (laughs) it works right it works yeah Um, it works but but as, as michael notes like there's one aspect of it where you can look at the end result and say hey these records were some of the biggest selling records of of all time Right. And certainly of their day. And they sound unique. Uh, they sound huge. Nothing else sounded like them. They are ear grabbing. The songs are great, whether you like Def Leppard or not or whatever. No, or that, 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 that one Def Leppard it's, 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 it's a great album. Just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's just playing a good album. It's just a great album. Yeah. Super and, nice. and, and at the same time, you know, there is a clear that, that sort of period of time where he, he the, the big records that I think of when I think of him are like Foreigners 4. Uh, back oh, in he black did that by, too. Yeah, Back in Black by ACDC. Yeah, ACDC. Um, yeah. Heartbeat wow. City by The Cars. Uh, those two Def Leppard records. He did some stuff with Brian Adams. There is a kind of, you can you can hear him kind of honing in on this big rock sound that really kind of defined the 80s. But then um, he, he kind of makes this sharp left turn and his next big thing is Shania Twain, who he was married to for many years. And he produced a bunch of records for her that don't have that enormous like stadium rock sound. Yeah. Um, at any rate, the, the, the thing, about, though. yeah, the, the thing I was going to say is like it, for, he's clearly going for something that he hears in his head as being correct and right. And it clearly resonates. It's hard to say if he could have done it with half the studio time. But the thing that I want to stress is that uh, before he gets to the meticulous production, he spends all this time with meticulous pre-production, right? He's not just taking some piece of crap song and then spending eight months uh, tuning it or tweaking it. And he's not unusual that way. I, I, uh, I think I mentioned this on an earlier episode, but like, uh, uh, Mark Ronson, uh, did that, uh, uptown funk song with Bruno Mars three times recording it from the ground up, uh, yeah. before they got it right. Trevor Horn. I've heard him talk same, about that. Yeah. 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 Trevor Horn, same kind of thing with a lot of his big productions too. Yeah. It's, you know, really like defining your process and like what, what is enjoyable about it? Like, you know, listening to D talk about what he's just working on and just like the suffering of it is just like, okay, what can we do differently the next time? And I'm always looking at that too, you know, with, with the mixing and just, you know, getting back more into recording. It's like having a plan ahead of time. Uh, Cause a lot of the times I like to shoot from the hip. Cause like, I, I like the surprises that come out, but you can also, I can contain some of that too and go, there's room for that. And there's room for like, here's the parts I'm thinking about. And sometimes it was just like a blank canvas. Like I did a number of that uh, commercial production stuff was like, okay, you got two minutes to do this and it's got to have a button stinger on the end. And that's all I know. And it's like, oh, it's going to be like an indie acoustic rock thing. I'm like, okay, that helps to define it more. So you get all the sort of like the pieces and it's like, okay, well, I have a ukulele. I have a couple of acoustic guitars. I have a nice bass guitar probably a B3, you know, and like, it just starts to come to my brain about, okay, here's the parts I'm thinking about. And so I make those tracks and I haven't even laid anything down. Like I know probably how I'm going to treat them. And then as you're doing it, you discover more stuff like D was talking about, like, you know, okay, I have to compensate, like, here's my style of singing and it works to the degree that it works. And like, here's what I I know I need to do to tweak it, which is editing. And I'm going to craft a performance if I can't capture the performance and like, you know, it really helps if I can be 
know that ahead of time and go like, okay, these are the points where I'm going to hit, you know, like having a little roadmap. And then, you know, you mm-hmm. get on the road with this stuff and then you figure, figure that you'll bump into other shit and go, oh, I didn't expect that. Or like, oh, my, you know, I'm having a, uh, a clocking issue with my, you know, my audio interface. And it's like, oh, I didn't account for that. So what do I do, you know, and figuring that shit out. But it's, you know, with all that sort of, and I'm a big fan of like, thinking about it and also getting a plan together. And for all the plans in the world, you know, the, the world presents itself, how it presents itself to you in every given day. And like, you know, we're all just like two years ago, I'm sure no one was going like, Oh, I should probably start buying masks in case there's a pandemic. You know, I don't know, unless you're like a, you know, survivalist and they're just going like, fuck. Yeah. I told you (laughs) they have their day now. And even then, you know, it's just like, what are you going to do when you're mixing and recording? And I think the, I don't know, for me, it's like, how can I include that stuff? This, you know, from a mindfulness standpoint, it's like, okay, there's going to be some boulders I'm going to hit in the way, at least some rocks. How am I going to include that shit in there? And, um, or can I avoid it now? You know, Mm. but uh, yeah, the doing the, the doing the, 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 doing the guide track tracks thing for me is, is been an enormous help because it, it, once I, I land on something that resembles what, what I think it might be, then, then I'm, uh, it's, it's generally enough for me to know, um, oh, well, this is a song that I'm gonna have to spend a lot of time on. This one should be, this is kind of in my zone. This will be easy. And, and I had stuff like that. I had stuff like that on the last album that I just did in one or two takes and, and it worked out fine. I didn't have to do anything to them. Yeah. Um, there, uh, were a number of songs where I had to craft them, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I, and I kind of knew up front that I was going to have to same, same, same thing here. I'm, I'm pushing my, I, especially with this stuff, I'm pushing myself out of, way out of my comfort zone. Um, yeah. uh, melodically and I want to, and, and I also know that, um, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be some mix of getting comfortable with the melody, uh, and trying to do it in as few takes as possible, but, but running through it a hundred times and until I feel comfortable with it. Um, yeah. and then and I- tracking it a bunch of times and then hopefully finding, finding the take that, 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 that works for me. But you know, accepting that that there's going to be going to be some copying work to do. Um, well, I, I like that. You know, the new stuff, the melodic stuff that we played at the demo derby. I was like, oh, you know, it was like still you, but it was like a more focused melodic new thing. And I think that's a when you're challenging yourself like that, like when I'm challenging myself, like these things I'm mixing right now. There's not much of a challenge of it. And, and to get back to your point, Anu, about the last like five or 10% for me, I'm just terrified that I'm going to have to play it for people ultimately. And I've always had that, you know, like, (laughs) you know, so I sent it to a couple people. I just finished this mix of this like kind of anti Christmas song. And I sent it to a couple people just to get some feedback. I'm like, is this sounding okay? Like, do you have it? What are your just, and then I let it go. And I'm just like, I'll get back to it when I get notes from them. Just real quick notes. Like, you know, I like this. I'm not sure about this. And then I go, oh, okay. So I try and include other people at some point along the way, which I didn't, I think that was the thing I didn't used to do before for that same reason of like, oh shit, I don't want people to find out about me. They're going to really, they're going to look under the covers and go, oh, he is a fraud. You know, that's the like worst thought of my head. Impos- the saboteur. That's imposter syndrome. Yeah. The imposter saboteur. Syndrome. 
is there, that rogue element of just like, see, I told you you're a shithead. You can't finish anything, blah, blah, blah. And I go, hey, thanks for sharing, Frank. I got to finish this. And I like push Frank out the door. And then I get back to work. I call him Frank. I gave him an identity. It was a friend of mine suggested well, I, I, that. He said, I, you, I, I, I I yeah, you, t- you, you told me about Frank before. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's Frank. Frank guy. I'm like, go bug D. He's doing vocals today. Go fucking. Yeah. Go yeah. Go thanks. Because he just did. <laughs> because Frank, Frank, uh, in addition to everything else that's going on, Frank uh, just pointed out to me, well, not Frank, but, but a, a, a very near and dear friend. Uh, I was wor- I've been working on a cover of this this old song by uh, this power pop band from the late seventies called The Quick. Yeah, um, I remember that. And I completely fucked up the second half of the. <laughs> uh, I my ear wasn't working that day. I made and and I wasn't really paying attention to the original and made some assumptions about the arrangement, and then um, uh played it for my friend Jason Luckett, who's who's going to do some guitar stuff for it. He said, you know, this is this is totally jacked. This is completely fucked up. It's like, what? Um, and like, I, I was, I argued with, I was like, no, 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 no. He goes, no. He goes, go to bar 138 and listen to it again. I'm like, and then, and I wrote, he, I was like, fuck, you're right. So I have to retrack a bunch of stuff now in addition to everything else. Well, you know what I say to that? Thank God we don't fly airplanes. So thanks, Frank. You know, thank God we're not pilots with passengers. Thank God. Pilot error. Everyone dies. It's just like, oh, fuck. I got a shitty track. Damn it. Yeah. Thank God for that. First world problems. Well, a little, a little little pre-production would have helped there, but uh, it's fine. It's not nothing yeah. that re- this is the other thing is like, I, I sometimes have to get out of the mindset of like recording is permanent because I, I, Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I got to go plug in the guitar and get a guitar sound and arm a track. And I'm like, that couldn't be easier. And I'm really, if there's one thing I, I wish I did more on these things is going back and just going, okay, I have a take or I have a comp. Can I just yeah. like do it again and see if I can do it better? You know, and yeah. not forever, but just like, let me, let me see if I can do it again or do it better mm-hmm. instead of Oh yeah, like, I do that too. Yeah. yeah. yeah or sure. or I, I, I'm frequently embarrassed when I'm showing people uh, a project because I'm like opening stuff up and realizing that, you know, of the whatever 10 tracks I have in there, like all of the guitar tracks were clearly like I recorded eight bars and was like, Oh, I'll go through and replay this at some point all the way through. And I never, did, I never do. Oh. It's all like <laughs> yeah. the, the original demo tracks that I'm all like, Oh, I'll go back and fix this. And then I just, I never do. Oh, yeah, no. that's the thing about I'm finding you know, like fixing shit in the moment. Like I have to just fix and finish it. When I that Ryan Tedder class that I took, that sort of hit hit songwriting and production thing, he was like that. He's like he won't even leave a melody that's a little too sticky in there if he's just messing with it because it like we talked D and I talked about it. It's like that melody gets in there and it's a little too sticky and I can't fucking get it out of my head oh yeah we were just talking about this the other day yeah and it, then because it, i have a track that i i recreated this like pop track and uh and with no vocals no melodies or anything i just like did basically the arrangement and some of the production in a similar way because i wanted to sort of reverse engineer it and try something with it and uh and i went oh that's pretty good the whole thing is like pretty complete sounds pretty tight and i listened to it and all i can hear is the motherfucker's melody and the lyrics. And I'm like, God damn, that is a, that's what hit songwriting is all about is you create something that's so indelible 
whether you pull out the melody or not, I'm just like, oh, I can hear the, the like the, the dropout, you know, like there's that thing, the drop right before the chorus. And I'm like, oh, like, so I'm going to, I'm going to set it aside for a week or two and I'll come back to it. Cause like this thing is pretty sticky up here, but you know, like, what do you, but like fixing things in the moment, Ryan Tedder was doing that. He's like, oh, we got to fix this. And he would just fix it. And so by the time it was like done, it was about as close as you could get to being finished other than like giving it to a mixer and a mastering guy. And I was like, okay, just be diligent, be diligent all along the way. And I've done that too on so many times where I'm like, I'll, I'll remember what this is about. There's a little melody thing and I just throw it in there and I come back to it. Like, you know, this, this stuff I'm working on now is probably, you know, 15 years old and I'm listening to it. I'm like, well, thank God I finished that and the parts are all there, but there's also three different takes in there. And, and I don't, and the guy didn't label them correctly. So I don't know which is the one, but I figured it out, but it took me like an hour each song to listen through. And like, I got to put them in the right order. And here's the drums for this and the guitars. And like, what's this from like take six and there's no other take six yet. And I'm just like, fuck, what is this? You know? And that's just shitty engineering. That's someone who did not do the diligence on their end to take care of my shit, which, you know, gets back to like, don't trust anyone with your shit, D, but you have to trust someone with your shit. But D. You, guys, you guys just got through <laughs> telling me to trust people with my shit. Well, that's one, the thing. one way to solve the problem is to trust people with your shit. Well, you find people that you can trust. I mean, that's the thing I yeah. know. Just that thing, you yeah. know. Well, and some of it is is also about we all tend to do just enough work to get the thing done, and then we want to move on, right? And yeah, uh, it, what part of what I think is catching Michael is that in the context of releasing something professionally, you should take the time to document and label things and back them up and do them right. Uh, but a lot of times, you just have no idea that any of this is ever going to become important, and that's why we have like sessions that can't ever be opened by any modern software, or <laughs> we don't we don't do things like render oh, out dude. all the all the tracks as audio. I have an entire album that I can't even like I can't remix like that I, that I want to want to remaster, and I'm I'm going to have to resort to like isotope machine learning trickery just to to do some of the things I want to do with it because because it's you know I did it on a PC. 20 years ago and I don't have any of those plugins anymore and it's, it's gone. I didn't, I didn't. Why don't you do a Taylor Swift and re-record it from the ground up? With what you know now. I don't don't know if I want to do that. (laughs) Taylor Madden. I don't want to do that. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, It's, it's like, you know, it's, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. I, I, I totally understand. It's Um, a, it's a good, it's a, no, it's a good idea, but, um, I, just to reinforce your point, like I didn't have the horse sense to, harden any of the tracks like mm-hmm. i'd thought you know it was like the first time I, I went whole hog with plugins and thought hey plugins you know I'll they're around forever i'll yes. always have the software and uh and then i don't know like 10 years passed and i wanted to to crack to do something with it again i realized i couldn't because i didn't I mean, have any look, of the hardware anymore just try try opening up uh, a, a session from a couple of years ago and it's like 15 15- plug-in missing error messages or like it's a 32-bit session that you're now in 64-bit software or whatever like these are some of the things we have to uh, unfortunately have to deal with with the the world that we live in but i'm also for me i'm mostly at a place where i just try to like get it done and let it go 
warts and all. Like it's the snapshot of the thing that I did at that moment in time. Scott and Walker I, School of Recording, sir. Yeah, I'm the same yeah, way. Yeah, very, very much. Like this, this idea of like you know, I, I, I'm not mutt, and and I'm not going to spend eight months um, retracking the guitars over and over again. For one thing, like they're not going to get any better. Um, and in yeah. particular, a lot. What I often think about my my records is that a better mix or better recording isn't really like the thing that's going to fix them, right? The problems no. for, for my stuff, for the most part are the compositions and the, and the vocals. Yep. Um, and I, it's not that, it, that I necessarily think that they're bad. It's just that they're only going to be so good. And it's like, it's good enough. going to put it in the, yeah. in the box and move on. Yep. Um, and, and I, every time I remind myself that the next time I am going to harden all the tracks and render all the waves and make it so that if, if somebody wants to remix it, uh, you know, they can do that. And I, I never do. Yeah. And it's okay. Every, oh, I do. Yeah. Ever since that, that experience with unfinished business, I do that every time now, every yeah. fucking time. Well, that's maybe, the, maybe I, mean, I don't usually, I don't keep plugins, but I usually have enough of, of the stuff in a project that I can still open it up at any point in time and fudge a mix with, whatever plugins I'm using at that point. Yeah. I, you know, I was just thinking on who, uh, there, there's, uh, there's something Scott Walker says in 30, 30th century man. He's, he, he, he finished an album and it, I, in a way it's something like, like he said, I was like, Oh, I, I wish I could do that, but I can't. There was an album he finished and he was talking about it. And he, and he, he, when, um, when they got it all done, he went to the engineer and said, can I just sit in here by myself and listen to this entire album one time? Because it's going to be the last time I listen to it. And that's, yeah. and then he said, he said, and they were like, what? I think the person interviewing was like, he said, he said, that's what I do. He said, as soon as I, as soon as I'm done with it, it's, it's out of my head. It's gone. I never listened to it again. There's a kind of a brilliance to that, you know, there is what, what I'm thinking about, you know, like these three songs I'm working on now in the spirit of what Ani's talking about and what you're talking about is just like, it's a fucking snapshot. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to throw a little bit of sugar and spice on it and make it sound as good as I can. And then I'm going to release it so I can exercise it out of my life and go, okay, that little piece there was done. And if something comes beyond that, great. But I really like, you know, both of you guys do this where you have like um, a theme, you know, or an idea for a record. And then that's going to be the record. And then you do that and then you release it. And I haven't done that in a long time. I'm so busy helping other people release records by mastering or mixing and mastering. And I'm like, oh, I want that. And then, but there's the terror of it. This is that last like five to 10% of like, oh shit, people are going to see me. Oh my God. You know, but it's like, oh, that's what we do. Cause I like to be seen too. You know, I was thinking about performing again when it's got, you know, when I feel comfortable with it um, or when I feel comfortable enough being uncomfortable on stage but safe for everybody like how do you do that but that's another problem but i really love that because there was always this urgency that would come up when you know you're about to get on stage and there's that experience that comes up and i love that and it passes as soon as i hit the stage it's like poof i turn into somebody else i i sometimes i remember what happened on stage sometimes i didn't because it was so in the moment and you get out and you're like Everyone's like, yeah, that was fucking amazing. I'm like, what happened? Was it good? Like, I don't even know. That's really like the pinnacle of like performance. And like you spend all that time 
crafting in the studio and recording shit and you put it out there and people are like, I want to see you do it live now, monkey. Get on the stage and dance yeah. for me. And I'm like, okay, I like to do that. Because that's another sort of level of challenge. But, uh, you know, and even rehearsing, like, am I ready to go play a show? Most of the time, no. You know, you just got to get up there and you've you've trained your muscles and your mind to do the best you can do. And then whatever happens is whatever happens. But in the capturing of the moment, you know, I think mostly it sounds like we're talking about mainly just production and finishing recordings. And this, I'm, I, I have a, a fine artist painter friend. But, but the live thing kind of, kind of relates to it's, it's like another nine yeah. yards thing. I, I love, I love, I love performing too. I, I, I don't feel uncomfortable doing it. The, the aspect of performing that, that I loathe is having to actually sit down and learn the stuff oh. I wrote and recorded well enough to perform it live after I've oh, had to yeah. listen to it three <clears throat> fucking thousand times. Yeah. I don't want to have to listen to it more and have to try to remember how, what I did. Extra you know? fancy did that. Uh, we did a reunion show. Uh, I just hate the work. Yeah. We, we got back into the studio and like, I'm like, I don't know if I remember this shit. So I, I started working on it at home, but just enough. And then I show it up the rehearsal and like, we're all scratching our head going like, how did that one part go in this section? And I'm like, I have a CD with me, <laughs> you know, and you got to recapture it. But then I'm like, how did I play that part? Cause my guitar playing was kind of unusual and sort of, I don't know the, the way I played it. And then I have to spend some time and go like, Oh, that's how I play that. And I just, then it was back to muscle memory again, but that was like five or six years later. And, uh, it's that same thing of like, you know, oh my God, you know, that's a whole nother level of work where you got to like, remember it. It is. And then execute it again and again and again, in which we live for it, but we also loathe it in a certain respect. It's, it's work. It's, it's practice. Work. It's practice to the point that you've embodied it to the point that you can play it without thinking about it. It's decisions you have to make about like, say a guitar part that like, <clears throat> it's it's stuff that I that I'm that I that I think about as I'm recording. Like I I I did this. I tracked this one guitar part um, using a pedal chain that I don't have on my pedal board, and I and I'm right. and I'm struggling with. Okay, can I can I get that same sound with what I have on my pedal board? Am I going to have to reconfigure? <clears throat> like like little you know, there's all little details like that. Like how am I going to recreate this? Yeah. In I addition to to doing the work to to actually learning how to. Well, it's to get, much like you, the pointy. where you're talking about like opening up old sessions of stuff and like the plugins don't work and you're like, oh shit. I really like the idea. I just mixed some and mastered some songs for a friend of mine. And uh, he said, I have it all kind of tracked in a Pro Tools session. How do you want me to send it to you? And I thought the easiest way, I thought, get put send them to me in stems. Just like, and he's very, you know, uh, diligent about sort of like parsing out things in a, in a smart way. So I trusted him to do that with the effects that he has on it. I said, just leave, if you have some effects on it, just leave it. If it's really like beyond that, I can't do anything with it. I'll have you redo it. But I said, I, I trust you on this. And he sent me some stuff like, and there was a lot of guitars on it with a lot of different sort of pieces, but it all made sense when it came to me. Send, sent me a Pro Tools session that's got all the, all the stems. And it was like really easy to work with. And I thought he just archived his own shit. If he ever wanted to have someone else remix that stuff and remaster it, 
he's got those parts there and he has the original individual stuff unedited and all that. And I thought that's a pretty smart way to do it from that aspect. You know, I'm still looking at this stuff, but I hadn't thought about it as much for, you know, like this stuff I'm mixing for myself, that's already recorded and done. And uh, there's a, there's a, some room sound on it. That's really nice. And it is what it is. And so I'm not going to go back and try and recreate that shit or, you know, at any point, I just like, that was a really interesting, fun session. And, and the, the spirit of what I wanted is captured. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about. D is like, you know, and you too, Anu, like, did I, is there enough sort of like spirit in there where I'm just like, Oh, this sounds good enough. There's some energy in there and I like it and it fits. And like, there's some, some kind of emotion to it that, that I couldn't, I could not, if I did it a hundred more fucking times, it's going to kill it. It's yeah. going to kill me. It's going to totally ruin my wanting to put yeah. this out. I'd that like said, one, one of the other things I really have tried to, to get away from is the concept of like the magic take or lightning in a bottle. And yeah. um, I, I think it's important to practice or rehearse enough that you feel like you can execute the way that you want. But uh, particularly in my early days, I was really like, oh, you know, there's going to be one of these takes that is like head and shoulders above the rest. And you, I made myself nuts and really started to hate recording, particularly vocals for a long time because I was chasing that. And so these days, it's for me, it's much more about like, is this a representative take? Is this what it sound? Is this is this what I sound like? Is this, you know, 90th percentile or more or less as good as I can make it. And then moving on, instead of trying to get myself agitated of this, in this way of like, Oh my God, it's gotta be amazing. Cause it's not, it's not going to be amazing. Yeah. That's all yeah. I'm ever going for too. It's, it's, it's just that even doing that sometimes takes a lot of work. You know? Oh, absolutely. It takes I mean, a lot I, of work it, to, just to get to that point. And, and, and that's all I ever really kind of strive for. I'd like to think that I don't, I like to think that I don't strive for perfection. I just, I just strive for that. Yeah. I think striving strive for, for perfection, settle for excellence. Yeah. And, well, so, just, just settling for the performance that, that sounds closest to what I hear in my head. That's yeah. All. Well, and there's also, you know, it depends on, I guess on the genre too. I feel like you're a singer songwriter and it's just, you know, like a guitar on a vocal performance. Ah, you can't, you can't produce that into existence. You know, it's like, you got to, really capturing that but for i think for the most part where you've got multi-tracks of things and even if it's simple little productions you know i think everything we talked about was really super helpful and you know creating the backdrop for something great to happen i mean you know the lightning in a bottle it happens for sure but i can't predict it i don't know when sometimes there's some shit will happen and you'll be like whoa what was that but it's such a rare moment and i just that's not what i'm striving for you know, I really, it's good, it's good to be realistic about like, I'm striving for like, I'm making a sandwich and do I have all the parts? You know, I remember when we, when I first started working at Warner Brothers, <clears throat> they called everything parts. And I thought like, ah, oh, parts. I'm like, I'm a musician. These are like important things. And like, ultimately they're just parts, you know, like, oh, you just got to get the parts together and send it out, you know, because it's just like, we're just making sausage here, but I, no one wants to look and see how you make the sausage. They just want it to be like, oh, this is amazing. Which sounds weird coming from someone who only doesn't eat any meat. So <laughs> there's no vegan it's, equipment. It's, 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 it's soy sausage. That's all. Yeah, it's, we don't want to see how they make the soy sausage. 
tempeh all, sausage. All the whip, whipped plastic and all whipped, that shit. Whipped plastic. Yeah, but like how do you – but I th- I think, you know, like you said, just getting those little parts done over and over, you know, and building a mix and like this is what I kind of planned on and there's a few great surprises and there's a few not so great surprises and <clears throat> being diligent and and then also giving yourself deadlines is a great way to like – Mm-hmm. You will finish it if you give, if you tell somebody else and you speak that into someone else's head, like a, you know, a record label that's like, hey, we have delivery dates and we got like marketing shit to do. I mean, you guys both know this from being product managers and like, you know, they say, here's when it needs to get launched. Okay. That's when it's going to get done because it has to get done. And then, you know, I have, whatever version I have, of it, I've, I've got my Kanban board for this album. Yeah. Been you got like what, diligently. Yeah. And like, you know, whatever version of it that you get done is what you put out as far as like a, an app or a website or whatever that shit is. And just like, I'm already thinking about the parts for like, what kind of imagery do I want to use with this little three song EP? I'm just like, I don't know. I just, you know, David Bowie's birthday was yesterday and I was seeing all these iconic images from his past. And I'm like, I want some of that shit, you know, like, how do I, how do I, bring that to this, like the audio part of it. Cause the audio and the music part is like, it's what I do. It's simple enough. It's, it takes work, but like, how do I want to be seen in the world as like this, an artist guy, or do I want it to be about me? Do I want it to be like a band name? I don't know. I don't know. Cause it's a band recording basic sounding thing. Oh, I start, I start thinking about that kind of mm-hmm. stuff after the first one or two songs. I'm already yeah. thinking. like I I've got a I've got a laundry list of of people um of people I want to hit up um for um the album cover for example um that who who may or may not be be cool with the things I'm going to ask for but but um yeah but 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 I'm thinking about that too like there's 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 a photographer that who is a friend of a friend that does some really amazing shit and uh I really want to use her work for the cover, I'm probably not going to get to. And, and so I'm thinking, so I'm thinking about like, well, if that doesn't work out. Then what's my fallback plan? So I'm thinking, I'm always thinking about that kind of shit all the time. Yeah. Well, I think that also helps with the, like the last five to 10%, you know, it's like, if you've got other people and other aspects of the project that are like, Hey, when are we going to work on the photography for, for this? You know? And like, Oh, like that, all that artwork that Iran did for you on that, uh, that those records, I was just like, Wow. So like the more I include other people, it creates this other energy of like, oh, that's right. You know, I want to get this done for their sake as well as my sake. And like at some point you kind of cut bait and just be like, okay, that's good enough. Here's what it is right now. And then you put it out and you'll go like, okay, in five years, I'll do a new version of it or I'll remix it or I'll cut it, you know, whatever. And then any excuse to like get this shit done, I have to lie to myself to get it done. I'll do it. You know, this brings up another good thing. So. Um, I don't, I usually will wait to approach, to make that approach until I have something that I think is ready enough for, for, for the person that I'm talking to, to understand, to to get the same picture of what it is I'm trying to do that I hear. Yeah. For example, there, there's a couple of people that, um, that I have in mind to play sax on, on some stuff. Um, somebody that that I'd never in a million years, who's really fucking good and never, and never a million years, I would ever think to ask this is, this is my damage. Like, I just don't like the, the thing you were talking about with playing live, Michael, like there, there are people I, I could probably ask to, to contribute things, 
And I just don't think to do it because it's just, I, it's, it's my own damage, I guess. It's just my own low sense of self that tells me, oh, they're never going to want to do it. But it turned out this, this one guy is in, is interested. And I, and I just found it like Hazel talked to him and, yeah. I, and, and Hazel comes back in and goes, oh no, he's, he, he sounded in, I was like, shut up. Really? And he, and, and she goes, yeah, yeah, he's, he's totally down. And she was talking about it again last night. Like, do you have anything running? It's like, well, I don't really, I don't want to talk to him until I have something that I feel like I can present to him, to this person that's going to, in a way that's going to make sense. She goes, no, you should just do it now. I said, no, 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 no. So, so I go through that too. That's, that's the other, yeah. that's the part of my, my last nine yards. There, there are a couple of people that I'm thinking about to help out with backing vocals. Same, same thing. I don't know these people. I, I, I know I have friends of friends and I, and, and I'm fighting that thing right now of like, well, I don't want to talk to them now because I just have scratch vocals on this stuff. And, and, um, it's, it, it's just, it's stuff I do for me. You know, it's stuff that I can play for you guys. I, I can totally play it for Michael because Michael's heard what I do and he can, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you guys can listen to something I do and go, oh, well, I, I get where he's going. I don't feel like I can do that with other people. So, so that that's where I get up in my head. I get in my head with stuff like that too. Yeah. Well, how how much does something have to be done for you to be able to add something to it? You know, most people who are musicians have dealt with demos and stuff like that and FPO parts, you know, in one form or another. But but I get it. I think some of it is like. We're, we're worried on some level about being rejected or about people being like, no, I'm not going to do this because this is this is crap. And you're like, well, it's, it's not done yet. Like, I haven't well, put the final thing on it. That almost actually kind of just happened with this cover. Like, I put a scratch vocal on this cover and and Jason was like, "It's this is you need to actually track this for real. He didn't he didn't say it, but in so many words, he said, you need to track this for real because it's kind of taken because the scratch vocal is, is taking me out of it. Yeah. You know? It takes something, so you know, and, that it, too. and that's all the shit that you figure out along the way, you know, and, uh, you know, that's why not, not everyone does this shit. Cause it's like, it takes kind of a brave soul to like sift through things and look at things and tell the truth about stuff and lie to yourself when you need to lie to yourself, but really just like, Oh my God, what am I doing? And <clears throat> I don't know. It's almost like a sickness. Like, I don't know why I do this. No one in my family is a musician. I don't know where it comes from and I kind of don't care. It's the thing. Yeah, I find. That's, that's that's where my mind was going when 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 I texted you that day. Yeah, it's just like you know, this is this is something I'm compelled. I have, to I have do. no right doing this. What and what I, am I doing? And there was a point. I think we talked about it before, where like I thought I was done. You know, I had all the what I call you know the shame trophies hanging on the wall, and I'm like, I need to fucking sell these things or use them, my guitars. You know, and I'm just I'm not sure. But something that kind of pushed me. You know, enough sort of like little messages came in and said, you know. No, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I, I don't, it was a small, quiet voice that got much, much louder. And now I'm like completely immersed in it again. And it's really great. But, uh, and then, you know, this, you know, podcast for is one of those things too. It's like, oh, the more I talk about it, the more I enjoy it, you know, and like finding out things and hope, you know, maybe this podcast helps other people. And, um, oh, by the way, we hit a thousand downloads for the podcast, which is amazing. Um, you know, just wanted to thank you listeners. Thank 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 you you for listening. Yeah. And it's just, you know, like, why do we do this stuff? Well, I, uh, at least a big part of it for me is like, I get to talk about it 
And it's really great because I, clearly I have a lot to say. And, you know, it's just, you know, uh, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to be immersed in and like the problems. I love talking about the problems of it because I like finding solutions for this shit, uh, possible solutions. And that changes all the time, too. It's like a moving target. You know, you pick a new genre of record that you're going to make. And it's like, oh, I don't know how to record that instrument, you know, like the stand up bass stuff you've been doing. It's like, I'm not sure what the best way to do that is. I'm going to have to spend some time hacking away at this and like trying shit and going like, how do you do this? And then you stumble on it and you're like, oh, wow, that sounds fantastic. You know, and you get these little discoveries and, you know, that I think that's part of like that, the last nine yards, you know, as it were. Yeah, I was, uh, I was feeling pretty good about myself because I was, you know, I, I was just beginning to wrap up cleaning, cleaning those parts up. And then Jason called me and said, you know, <laughs> you completely huh? fucked this up. And that, that, that took me right back down, right back down to the floor. That's good. And maybe that's part of your process too. Maybe. The roller, the roller coaster. My roller coaster has gotten more like a child roller coaster. It's gotten much smaller. It needs to be more manageable for my emotional well-being because Lord knows I put myself through it for the you know last 20, 30 years. So. Well, I, I, you know, I, I think some of it is getting to a place where you are able to acknowledge what parts you're vulnerable about or willing to hear feedback on and which parts you're not. You know, uh, yeah. there's one thing, there's a big difference between playing something that's not done or that you're unsure about for somebody and saying, what do you think of this? Like in the case of the cover you were working on, D, like maybe you weren't sure about whether or not you had done it right or whatever. Um, and hearing negative feedback about that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's not like I did kind of fuck it up. I wasn't totally sure. But there's that's very different from playing something that's all but finished for somebody. And if they're like, no, I don't like the vocal, you know, if if you're resp- at least for me, when I do stuff like that, when people say, give me feedback on finished things, I'm like, oh, that's nice. And it's done, you know. Like, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go back and like redo the vocals and remaster it or remix it or whatever. Um, but it's taken a while to get to a place of being comfortable enough of like when I call it done, I'm done with it. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, oh, and- I I'm so grateful that 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 he called it, uh, that that he called it out. You know, I was t- when he, when he, when he did, I said, you know, I probably never would have noticed it. I probably would have just would have just finished the fucking song. And it would have been one of those things that I noticed three months after I put it out. So, well, then you got to come solid. up. Then you got to come up with a new story of like, oh yeah, that's my my version of it. I re I reimagined. It. Yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> he he was even cool about it. He said he said, well, you know, you could just leave it. And I said I said no. This is this is this has to be right. This one has to. It's the quick man. It's the fucking well. It, like in, people in, know the quick, and and people are gonna like as one of those songs that that certain people are gonna go. Oh shit! He did the quick. Wait a minute. And those same people are going to go. Oh shit! He fucked it up. <laughs> well, did you guys see that that documentary? It might get loud. Where they had like Jimmy Page and Jack White and, and yeah. Edge all talking about guitar. Yeah. And there's that one point where they're jamming on one of the songs, and one of the guys like had it wrong. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. That. So this yeah. is like this is a thing that happens, right? Um, there's plenty of people that are playing songs and like not getting it right. Um, you know. It's okay. Yeah. yeah no, you still, no, this this mistake was pretty fucking bad though, Anna. Well, you have to tell a it's better story about like it. You know? The chord progression was was completely wrong. Yeah, there's like there's, like I reversed 
it 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 was it's it was it's shameful. I don't even want. To. <laughs> it's, was it it's better? Like two, it's two chords, and I flip flop the chords. Basically, is what happened. Was it better than the original? No. If you take out the nostalgia, yeah. you can go like, oh, maybe they should have played it that way. I've done no, that with no, stuff no, no, that no. I'm like, no, oh, this was just cocky, Michael. I went back and listened to the original after he pointed it out, and was like, oh yeah, this is fucking jacked. He was, right. yeah. and I said, you're right, you're right. This is this this is totally fucked. I'm gonna re-record it. Mea culpa. Good for you, D. You so be the bigger man. I well, it's not. It's, it's not. Really, it's, not <laughs> it's not a question of, of look. I you know we all know that you got to leave your fucking ego at the door, and you and you got to be in service of the song, and you got to be in service of what uh, of the work. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. It's wrong. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't try to explain to yourself that that it's that oh well you can make this work. I, I and I think I even kind of did that with him when he when he first pointed it out to me. I was like, well maybe I could try this, and he's it's like, no. God love Jason. He was like, yeah, probably not. That's not going to work. Yeah, that's not no, that's not going to work either. It, you got to do what's right for the. You have to do what's right for the song at the end there's of the a, day. Yeah, there's a difference between like fucking ego at the door. There's a difference between sort of like creative license and uh, just fucking denial, where you're just like. No, yes. that doesn't sound. It doesn't even sound better or more interesting. Like, like you know, doing covers. Period. Like, you know, or even co-writing. You know, I'm co-writing a song with another friend, and he sent me something, and I'm going like, "Okay, it's okay." You know, like it, this. The style of his stuff is really kind of like Roy Orbison, and it's very sort of almost folky in a way. And I'm like, "Man, I want to make this sound modern." So I'm gonna I'm gonna try something, and I'll send it to him, and go like. Uh, let me know if this works for you or not. And he was just fucking delighted. He's like, this is, he said, this is one of the few times, this guy is amazing. His, his name's Sam Beasley. And he used to, uh, he was the first uh, Caucasian songwriter signed to Ray Charles Music Publishing. And uh, his shit is just fantastic. It's sort of like from a different time. And I thought, man, I want to bring some modern stuff to this. And he said, uh, this is one of the few times in all the songwriting he's done where he just didn't know what to do with it next. He just really hit a wall and he said, it's rare. So he said, I'll send this problem to you, Michael. <laughs> and we, and we like each other's writing. So, so I'm like, okay, great. And I heard immediately what to do. You know, I'm just like, well, I think the chords could be fresher, you know, like, so how do I keep it, the spirit of it? And then like add to it. it's much like what we do with production. It's like, you know, okay, these parts are okay. But is there any X factor? Is there any sort of magic? And I thought it just needs some magic, some somehow. And you know, you, t- you get a hammer and a, and a couple tools, and you start like hammering on stuff until you're like, oh, that's interesting. Or this is a piece of garbage, and we need to stop now. You know, like whatever. But you make those decisions quickly, and like, I think, like you said, you know, like th- that song, the quick song, is the quick song, and that's the version that needs to stay that way. Yeah. I heard a cover of a a Brian Adams song. Um, I think it was that 19, the 69. I heard a cover by some, some indie rock band and I'm like, Oh, cool. I really like this song a lot. And I started listening to it and I'm like, well, they didn't bring anything new to it. I thought, why did they do this song and not change it or like crucify it or do something to make it like compelling, more compelling than the original version, which is like, you know, that iconic 80s stuff of like, I, who who dare cover that song and not bring something fresh to it? Part of it because it's it's 
in itself is this iconic thing. It's like really hard to rewrite songs like that or like re-envision them. Um, or like, you know, there's, there's that new song, that new, new version of uh, what's so funny about peace, love and understanding by Sharon Van, uh, Sharon Van Etten. She did a version of that song. Oh, yeah. I need to check that out. I love yeah, her. And, I love her. The, I love that song. And she does it as a duet with uh, Josh Homme from uh, Queens of the Stone Age. And it is fucking wow, neat. beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'm like, wow, I never, I don't think I would have been that bold to take that song on. And they do, they do it beyond justice. It's like a whole new, if you heard it, you wouldn't even, if you didn't know, you could just hear that song and go, it's still an incredible song, but this new version is haunting. Well, clearly they knew that they, that, that that's, I mean, peace, love and understanding that's, that's fucking hollow ground. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, I loved it. They, they, it sounds like they took it seriously. Yeah. I was, I was shocked. It was really beautiful. First time I heard it, I went, first of all, I, I, it was hard to tell that it was the original song. And I thought that's how great they did the version they did of it was. But I think like, that's hard to fucking do, you know, especially with a iconic song like that. I definitely did that with this song. I, I did some things with this song that um, that are me that I wanted to do. And and he and Jason pointed. He was like, "Hey, you did this one thing in this one part." I said, "Yeah, I, I did that on purpose." He said, "The other, you're right. The other, I fucked the other stuff up. This this thing here, I did on purpose." <laughs> yeah. He goes, "I did this on purpose," and I explained to him why I did it. Um, and I think he understands it. But but even that got me up in my head a little bit. But I think it's still going to stick. So I did do some things with it that, that that made it my own. I'd like to think, you know, but uh, yeah, and co- you have to. Are, that's a that's a tricky space to be in, you know. I don't think I've done any really great cover stuff. Well, the Sinner Man for like extra fancy, you know. I think that was a kind of a more raucous version of it. Uh, do we outdo Nina Simone? No. Nina Simone's Rules the Roost. I just heard her version of it on a TV show. Um, oh, I think it was Homeland. I was watching like some TV show and I thought I heard Nina Simone's version. I'm like, fuck, that is haunting and beautiful. And then I heard the version Extra Fancy did and I'm like, well, that's good too. Different feel, you know? Oh, I love your guys' version. It I was, love it. it was, and that was, you know, that was like Brian's idea. He brought that thing in and I went, oh, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't as familiar with it, but it got me thinking like about, doing covers of things and you know that's a whole other thing because then you're dealing you know speaking of the last nine yards like trying to finish a cover of something where you're like am i doing this justice am i bringing something new to it that hadn't been done before that's not insulting to the original you know yeah i just dealt with this on this goth record that's about to come out you know um i have never released a officially released a cover of anybody else's song before and for me, some of it is the whole like, well, I'm, I'm trying to make my own money with my, my own mechanical royalties and not wanting to deal with licensing. But some of it was also the sort of fear you have of like when you play a set and uh, you walk off stage and people are like, that last song you guys played for the encore was amazing. And you're like, yeah, that was somebody else's song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, but, I've had um, that. Oh, yeah. But when I, when, yeah. I, when I was starting to work on this goth record with uh, with Christy, she she said, pretty much from day one, she's like, I want to cover all we ever wanted was everything by Bauhaus. And I, I was immediately just like, Ooh, how are we going to do that in a way that, because the, I think that's one of their iconic songs and how are we going to do it in a way that um, brings something different to it, or that is at least different enough that 
it it doesn't just sound like a bad karaoke version of it. Yeah. And uh, it, it took a little bit of thinking before I came up with it. And, and now that the record's done, like I, I didn't listen to any other covers of it before. Uh, and I didn't, I tried not even to listen to the original too much other than to like get the chords or whatever. But I went and listened to a couple other versions that are out there. And I was like, man, I'm glad we didn't do it the way that some of these other bands, <laughs> these other bands did it. Um, I, I do think that there's kind of two types of covers and you can do the reverential, like I'm going to do it exactly like the original band. I think that's best for stuff that's kind of obscure. Uh, but I, as Michael was saying, I think that the best ones are the ones that update it or change it or bring something new to it. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm intrigued now to hear this version of uh, what's so funny about peace, love and understanding. I, I just played that uh, a couple of months back at a memorial service for uh, one of my friends who, who died. And um, it, it, I was looking for something that was going to be um, appropriately thoughtful, but a little bit uplifting and was just struck by what a brilliant song that was. Yeah. It just, yeah. That, that particular song can be, I mean, it's really like the medicine of it, you know, like it can be applied in so many different ways. It can be a political, it can be like spiritual, you know, like I think, you know, that's definitely what I got into music for kind of in on an unconscious level. You know, first of all, it felt good to play music and have some sense of power and this like creative nature, but, but also like the bigger implications of like making music and what it's for in the world. And you just never know what kind of life a song is going to have. You know, I've been sort of, yeah. I try not to over imagine like this Christmas song. I, I just, I think it's almost done. And I think it's fun and it's funny and it's kind of like a bah humbug but it's like you could dance to it. And I'm thinking like, this has got a life of its own. I can imagine the life of its own and not just because I wrote it, but I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm, I'm glad that I wrote it. <laughs> you know, not somebody else. Cause I would have been going that that's a good fucking Christmas song. But I think, you know, trying to get to that point with my own stuff, I think I'm striving that really this year has been about striving for like, I want to fall in love with my own music and, you know, getting through all the the rubble of like, self-doubt and all that shit and just going like what is you know being and mastering is helping with that because like you know do i hear the magic in the end like when it's sort of mastered and i go i think this is done check this out do you hear the magic you know and like that's a big combination of like the mix the performance the writing you know and like my my little part of it and like all the other stuff and like you know, does it sound like magic or not? Because when I hear a recording that sounds flat and kind of like, eh, and, it's, and thank God I didn't work on it, I go like, oh, bummer. You know, there's an opportunity there to create something that's kind of magical, even if it's just for a small group of people. You know, that sort of communication of, you know, oh, I'm working on something cool. Check this out, you know, or I think it's cool. What do you think? And then you put it out there and close my eyes and ears and go, don't talk to me about it. Just like, you know, if you like it, great. Yeah. Oh no, I I I I kind of think about that the other way. Like the stuff that I'm working on now, I'm, I'm getting I'm really really excited about. And whenever my mind goes to, well, how am I, you know, are, how am I going to share it with people, and how how am I going to get people to get yeah. as excited about it as I am? And that's another that's another nine yards thing that that you know gets me into that that conversation of why I'm even fucking doing this, you know. Yeah, because um, you fucking love it. And, you know, I know for myself, I love the drama of it all in my head. You know, it's the highs and lows of it all. And I'm like, 
kind of a drama king in my own sort of like mind. So I might as well enjoy all that because it's, you know, it's theater. It's theater in my mind and it's theater out in the world when mm. you put shit out and like, why do we do any of this just for like community and connection with people and disconnection with people, depending on what your intention is with your music. You know, I don't know. It's just all about telling our stories. I think at our foundation, it's we, we just are storytellers and we tell it to ourselves and then we tell it to other people. And, you know, whether it's like, Oh, I'm an imposter or like, I'm going to be the biggest fucking rock star in the world. You got the whole spectrum and it's like, just pick your story. What story are you telling today? And, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't get you into hot water or maybe it does get you into hot water, but it's the, it's the right hot water for the moment. You well, know, I was you know, going to try to bring us around to like, wh- what do we do when, we, when our mind goes to that place of, of where, where you're looking at the last nine yards and, and, and thinking about like, what am I fucking doing? Why am I doing this? And I, and I, I think you just did it for me. I, I, I can't imagine not doing it. I, I can't imagine not ever doing it. I think it's you know, important to answer um, that question. I, I used to have this discussions with my buddy, Sam, and he said, uh, you know, I go like, I, I'm not even sure why I'm doing this shit. And he's like, have you ever answered that question? And I went, no, actually. He said, you might consider answering it. Because I think the questions come up for good reason. We can have it be like this hanging, like the answer is, oh, you're a piece of shit. Or you can say, oh, I know why I'm doing this. You know, because like that's the obvious implication is like, you're not good enough. This isn't going to work out. You're never going to make it. This is like humanity 101. Just like, you know, especially in our culture today, there's a whole lot of narratives going around. But I think answering that question specifically is like, here's why I'm doing it, you know, and you say why you're doing it. And then you, I don't know, that that helps me a lot. It sort of closes that circuit. And I'm like, yeah, this is why I'm doing it because it feels fucking good. I enjoy the process. I enjoy the the stumbling, you know, and, uh, and if people like it, great. Like Frank Zappa's attitude on all that stuff. He's like, I make records to please myself when I get home and then I release them. And if other people enjoy it, great. That's what the record company's job is to do. It's their job to sell it. But, you know, we don't have to be releasing this stuff. We don't necessarily have to be torturing ourselves about trying to make it better every time and and things like that. And I I think, at least for me, um, the reasons why I make music have changed or evolved over the decades. But there is also a kind of a duality to it where on the one hand, I am sure, particularly as I work through my various therapies, <laughs> absolutely sure that some of it comes from a, a particular insecurity or kind of uh, emotional dysfunction. I mean, what what is a musician if not someone who gets up on stage and says, hi, everybody, I'm me and this is how I feel. And the crowd goes, wow, we love you. Love you. Yeah, we love you. Give us more. Um, but I also recognize that if, if that's why I'm doing it, I am definitely not getting the kind of validation I would want out of that sort of thing. And, and it is also, I guess you do it long enough and it is just a part of who you are. Uh, I, I definitely fantasize about not doing it sometimes. And every time I finish a record, particularly one I'm proud of, and it disappears without a trace, I'm like, well, what? <sighs> okay. Uh, I guess am I going to do this again? Like, can I just sell all my gear and watch TV and no, <laughs> no, no, yeah. you can't. Yeah. Nope. Well, I think it's also, you know, 
that that's this is like another episode we should really talk about like you know um the accolades you know the cash and prizes and all that cuz i personally think that stuff is it's important to me I like that response. And I, I like getting praise. I like a little pat on the head. You know, even if it's from my girlfriend, like, wow, that sounds great, Michael. And she's got good taste. And I'm like, okay, that sounds get like her. a real song. Yeah. But also like the success of it, you know, and I see, I have a ton of friends with massive success in the business and people I've worked with. And I'm just like, yeah, like that. If they can do it, maybe I can do it. You know, and like, I think that's what's so inspiring about this stuff. And that's why I watch a lot of music documentaries and just the crooked path that they found. That's just like, there's no way to predict it. There's no, you can come up with like the perfect plan and that's not it. You know what I mean? It's like, there's this fortitude, like you got to want it badly. And to the degree you want it, like whatever it is that you say you want, I think it's important to have vision and goals um, even if they're simple, you know, like I just want to be able to finish records and just be, look back and go, I made a whole bunch of great records. Not a lot of people heard it, but I'm like totally happy I did that. You know, like the guy who's in his shed, just fucking whittling wood and making stuff because it's the joy of that. Like, uh, there's this Jesuit priest guy who wrote, um, Anthony DeMello. And he said, that is the ultimate spiritual practice is to do the way something- to love. Yeah, the, the the ultimate spiritual practice is just to do something that you love for its own sake that no one will ever find out about except for you because just when you're doing it, you get lost in it. And I was just like, yes, that's like, you know, that's the ultimate freedom. That's what basically what he was pointing at. That's been he, happening to me a lot with this stuff. Like it's, yeah. it's just been, that's the, one of the great things about working on this thing I'm working on now is that is I'm finding myself actually getting lost in it in a way that. I, I can't remember I have the last time I felt that way. I love that. And then you're communing with something bigger than yourself. I mean, you know, for those people who aren't spiritual or have any sort of connection to that or religious, I'm not religious, but like, that's what music does for me is like this other thing that like, I'm filled with something that's like, whoa, where did that come from? That wasn't there like 10 minutes ago. You finish playing a song and you're just like, wow, that was, or you just hear someone's song. That's I was telling you that about this. That this. Uh, so I recorded a couple tracks for this with, with using that upright that that upright bass technique. And yeah. um, when when I did it and and I shared it with you, I shared it with you. You know, just recorded by itself, and still wasn't sure if it was even going to work because I mean, you guys know if you if you try something in isolation, and it sounds great in isolation, doesn't always mean it's going to work. It's going to sit right with everything else. Yeah. So even when I did it. And even when you said, oh, that, that sounds really cool. Like yeah. I, in the back of my mind, I was, I was still thinking this still might not work because I haven't actually tried it in the context of a song yet. And I dropped it. Um, um, so, so I tracked that stuff and then, and then just packed it up and, and, and moved on and moved on to working on some other things. Finally came back, back around to um, cleaning that stuff up and mixing it. And I opened up the first one. I was like, Holy shit. Like I had that moment I was telling you where I was like, this can't be me because I'm not, I'm an idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. This, this, this cannot, this could not have, like I listened to it so many times because I couldn't, I had that moment and and it, it, it's, it, it's rare. It's only, ha- I can probably count on, on less than one hand the number of times 
I felt that way about anything I've done. I listened to it a bunch of times just because I couldn't believe it was something that I did. Yeah. I and think it, that- and it's, and it's not, that's not like, that's not, I, and I don't mean that to come out in, in a, in a, no, uh, I what's the word? in a braggadocio way. It's just like, I can't, that fucking worked. Like that was just like an idea I had. I just, I just kind of looked at something that other people do with, with acoustic guitars and thought, Oh, well look, uh, an upright bass is just a rotated acoustic guitar. I'll just try that. And it fucking yeah. worked great. That's I the thing. Believe you know, it. That's, you know, you may be an idiot, but you're a very talented idiot. And that's a better story than like, I'm an idiot who's losing all the time. It's like, it's all the story you tell yourself. And like, I mean, that's, that's my, you know, strong opinion about it, which is, you know, neither here nor there, but I, I am constantly doing this. I'm always replacing thoughts in my head. If the negative thought comes through about myself and I go like, that's a shitty fucking story. If I can catch it, I go, that might not be true. That might, what might be closer to the truth is like, that's an old opinion, you know, but like kind of what you were saying on is like, you know, why I got into music, I think was like, you know, fucking crazy alcoholic household and like dealing with my own emotions. I found myself when I was playing music and then I kept doing it. And I think it, I, I had that revelation when I was like, am I still an artist? Am I still like, why am I doing this? It's because I really enjoy it. I'm not trying to overcome my past anymore because it, it's got its place in the past now. And, but I, I did that. That's a separate kind of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and now and, it's and- like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm playing music because it's like is vital to my life and it feels yeah. fucking awesome. Even when it's shitty, it feels like I'm fucking making music and I'm suffering and it's awesome. <laughs> well, just because it's difficult at times. Like the analogy yeah. that I think of is it, it is like uh exercise for the soul or the spirit or the yeah. the ego or whatever, right? Like you could be someone who uh runs 5Ks. And training for that isn't always going to be awesome or always feel good. And you're going to have some runs where you're like, oh, that was fantastic. And other runs where you're like, this is, why am I doing this to myself? It's painful <laughs> and it's difficult and I'm sweaty and I'm flailing. Um, but but you do it anyway, because on some level it is it, it is good for you and it makes you feel good. And, and that's the way I, I think about uh, at least my art. It's like, there's, there's, hills, <laughs> hills and valleys and times that are, it's easier to do than not do. But the, the practice of doing it, even when I'm not having a great day, uh, always makes me feel better. And that every once in a while that I finish something and I listen back to it and I'm like, huh, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. it makes it worthwhile. Uh, you know, D you were talking a, a little bit about kind of, uh, or we're talking about this kind of like, um, toiling in, um, obscurity. And it made me think about another early 20th century composer, which was Charles Ives. And uh, he was, uh, you, you should, uh, uh, re- you can read up a little bit about him, but Charles Ives Who's was, that? he, he is rec- I-V-E-S, uh, recognized as sort of the first great American composer. And he was a guy who had been a musician as a kid and went to Yale and uh, decided that, you know, he was, he, he couldn't, he was into weird stuff, into into unusual music, and his music is uh, mostly like influenced by the fact that his father was a band leader, and he used to go and stand in the park and hear like four different bands playing at the same time, um, like not harmonically or melodically related. Oh, uh, it's 
I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you finish. That's that's interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Ives had this kind of epiphany that he couldn't have a family and have his children, as he put it, starve on his dissonances. And even in school, he would play his compositions for his friends and they would be like, can't you write something that we like or can't you write something that's good or normal? And he was just like, are my ears on wrong? So Ives graduates and he goes to work in the insurance business and ends up being actually responsible for a number of big innovations in the insurance industry and makes a fortune uh, in, in insurance. Um, but the entire time he's working in insurance, he is taking some of his sizable wages and he is writing music. He is hiring um, string performers to play his weird pieces. And at a certain point in his life, he printed up volumes of his scores and sent them to every university or college he could think of for free and basically said, hey, if you want copies of my music to the general public, basically send me send me uh, a little bit of money or whatever. Tell me that you want one and I'll send you a copy. Uh, uh, he was in and these, well, these, the, and this is and this is like, you know, right. I'm, I'm reading through it's it's like pre vinyl. Right, like there's pre, no recording. Pre record players, like, and that's right. in those days that that's how that's how songwriters made music. They yeah. they they got hooked up with a publishing company, publishing yeah. company made sheet music, and that's how they made money. That's right. But he's he's do, he's doing it DIY, and he's basically giving it away for free. And it wasn't until he was in his sixties that people sort of discovered his stuff, and they were like, "Holy crap, this guy is a genius. This stuff is modern and it's brilliant." And basically, uh, he wasn't recognized until he had basically. He, he kind of had uh, a couple of heart attacks or something and st sort of stopped composing, but it wasn't until very late in his life that he began to get any kind of recognition. And uh, today is acknowledged as being sort of the first great uh, American composer and has gone on to influence people. But he's someone who did it despite the fact that what he was doing, basically everybody was like, what is this noise? Like this sounds yeah. horrible. Um, Anyway, it's worth checking out. The, the thing I think is fascinating about his, his work from a compositional perspective is that he has this way of kind of fitting together things that don't necessarily fit. It's like uh, harmonies that remain very distinct. And he also had a tremendous sense of humor. Um, uh, I'll, I'll send you a couple of pieces to listen to, but he worked in to some of the other points we're talking about today. One of the things that Ives was really taken by was that the idea of like pure music wasn't some symphony playing something perfectly and flawlessly. It was grandma banging on an out of tune piano and kind of not getting the song right. He's like, oh, that's, love that's how you get to, he's, he's like, that's how you get to heaven. Like that is real music. That is a human being connected through this direct emotional performance. And the fact that it's not perfect makes it better than something flawlessly executed. I love it. And on that note, I actually need to hop off of here, but I know we got to pull a card. Thank you for that. And yeah, send me whatever. Pull a card. You got. I'm going to run and get one. I, I just need to buy another deck. Buy another deck. Get the right tools, D. You're incredibly talented. That being said, D. So he can't even hear me. He's gone. <laughs> Is it really a uh, a compliment if they don't hear it? So that'll be another episode too. It's always a compliment if they don't hear it. What was that okay. episode I said we should do next? Uh, I don't remember. See how fast it just goes. You can, you right can go back and listen to this one after it's done. Boy, I hope what, someone what? recorded this. 
<laughs> I, I sure hope somebody did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. You there got we it. go. Oh, geez. Boom. One, Boom. two, three. Oh. Uh, I can't read. Oh, my... boy. Oh, Michael. So, so Michael's got honor thy error as a hidden intention. I like that one. What? Uh, Anu's got use an old idea. Also very cool. Um, mine is use an unacceptable color. Ah, that's my favorite out of all which, of these. Which is like, that's, that's, that's everything that is Charles Ives, apparently. He's a guy that spent his life using unacceptable colors and everybody went, oh no, that's, that's an acceptable color. That's okay. Well, like I noticed, 30... Anu, that, uh, that uh, Frank Zappa cites him as, as one of his biggest influences. Oh yeah. I mean, and when uh, I'll send you, um, I'll send you guys an email with like two or three selected things to listen to, but um, you know, it's pretty easy to hear why he's another one of those musical outlaws who is very musically literate, but doing things that were definitely like way outside by especially early 20th century standards. Super yeah. Cool. That's the thing, you know, the unexpected, well, you know, like you said, it's the, you can tell the, uh, the pioneers uh, by all the arrows in their back, you know, it's like they're way ahead of their time and, you know, but it always cycles around and they're like, Oh, that guy was pretty good. Too bad he died so early from stress and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So everybody can find us. We we've got, we've got, uh, we're, we're, we're on the, the Instagram though, that we need to get a little bit better about doing some, actually doing something with the Instagram feed. I keep meaning to, and then I ask you, I, I ask Mike for the cred, Michael for the creds and, and then they don't work. We need a, you know, we need we need to find a twelve year old to help us out with this shit. We need, so. we need a PA. We got We got to find yeah. a PA on it. And my dog is not going. Not, Miss America is not going to be the PA. <laughs> um, you can find us. We have we have the Facebook's fan page. You can find us there, and we're live streaming now on on YouTube. Uh, I left some links uh, on the Facebook fan page, uh, and we're live streaming on Twitch now too. And, and find that uh, the links to that stuff. Um, Probably in, I think, I think we're putting it in our, in our descriptions. If we don't, then we should, uh, but you can definitely find it on the Facebook fan page. Um, we do this Sundays at 11, uh, PST typically. Uh, and, and so if you want to watch us do it for reals, um, uh, by all means, check us out. That's all right. We'll start incorporating visuals later. Makeup, sure. kabuki makeup. I don't know. Something. Some we'll drama. Get on that just just as soon as we can talk ourselves back into finishing music. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again. We'll talk Thanks, to Charles soon. Thanks, Anu. It was my pleasure. Bye, guys. See ya. <laughs>